she's the best. First time I went to LA, I got in my car. I was staying at a Motel 6. Can you believe a Motel 6? Because I was like 18, just I was fresh out of South Africa. And I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to LA and live my dream. I, I get in the car. And as I turn onto Santa Monica Boulevard, this song plays. And then there's a famous line in here down the line, which goes. So I was like, damn, that is the nicest, exciting thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And I was like living it for that five minutes. I had a good time. I had a good time. Turns out LA can be a fun place. It's magical. How are you guys doing? It's LB and Greg Oliar that are here tonight. How are you, as you are always on a Friday night. LB, how's your night? It's okay. I let you guys know. I let everybody know this. I cannot believe the winds right now. You actually might even hear them shaking the house. So, and it's very dry. We haven't had any rain. And I smell smoke out there. So if I have to run, I will run away. <laughs> In the middle of the broadcast. I think it'll well, be okay. Well, uh, that'll be very yeah. uh, worrying, but hopefully dramatic. you won't have to do that. I'm dramatic. But, <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll be fine. It, it's quite a cliffhanger. So it's a good tease. Yeah. I'm not going to lie about that. What's your favorite song from when you were like in high school or whatever, just out of high school. Oh my God, you're gonna put me on the spot. I just did, I just did, yeah. Disclose my age. Well, I was really into Led Zeppelin, so. Uh, Oh, really? Wow, really? And LB. And the Grateful Dead. Wow, I didn't use one of those. You were like, what did they call them, deadheads? Are that's what they called them? I was a deadhead. You were? Yeah, I was a deadhead, yes. There was a lot of capital marketing opportunities around being a deadhead and I capitalized on them all. Okay. Um, we'll just say it that way. And then <laughs> uh, I, I was, I had to, I had to pay for my education, everybody. And then what else? Wow. There are so many questions everybody. that I want to ask you, but I'm scared. Okay. But I'm so it's scared okay. to ask. This is, this was a, it was, we got to be really wild when we were, when I was, I was at the end, I feel like people got real conservative and weird Mm-hmm. After my era of being a teenager and being in high school, it, that whole sort of young republicanism was coming in and preppyness. Yeah. And I was like, just before that, you know, my generation, we were just like really wild. We were out there. It was fun. It does sound like fun. I, <laughs> any, I wish I was any there. Song I could go and hear live outside. Would it be great to just be able to transport ourselves back to that moment, like? That moment when you were like yeah. just that just for a few minutes like being that car in santa monica boulevard where i had no problems in the world i was just like the happiest camper even though i was staying at the motel six or whatever it was i was like this yeah. is the nicest t- this is the nicest time of my life i'd like that where would you go back to greg oliar what's your favorite i'm not into the time travel you okay know, i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i, I like where i am right now um, when you said you that like i was like oh my god no 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 that's like that's like the plot of many bad movies where we yeah. have to go back and repeat ourselves over and over again just for like a few minutes not like the whole year you know. good movies actually but yeah. yeah no that's not it, it it's not my thing i don't think I, I i don't know can i talk about something about the weather because this weird thing happened that just occurred yeah. to me talking about weather I was driving on this back road in this town called Highland, which is on a, kind of right off the Hudson River a little bit. So sometimes there's weird weather there. And there was, I swear to God, there was a tornado, but it was only on this one piece of property that I was driving by. Like the, you could see the wind and the, the lid of the dumpster flew up in the air and the cars were rattling and the guy came out of the building and literally nothing else was affected by it at all. It was yeah. the strangest thing I've ever seen. Wait. It looked like it looked like something out of WandaVision. I was like, is there an X-Men here? 
But is this right now? Of, it's I, today? It's two days ago. Oh, yeah. so you've had crazy winds, and I, I'll be you're having crazy winds. Yeah. Oh, interesting. wonder who we can blame for that. Maybe we can blame Russia for that or something. I'm sure we can. (laughs) We can find a way. We should probably get onto some news. I have no idea what to begin with. I like talking about your podcast because, Greg, it's again been a blockbuster good podcast. People need to check out (laughs) Prevail from today. Uh, You talked a lot about Ukraine, and it was so interesting. I I just fill everyone in about who you had on and talk a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you for listening and for the kind words. My guest today was a guy named Victor Rudd, who's an attorney. He's American. He's Ukrainian-American. He's been, you know, the the chair of the Ukrainian-American Bar Association and various other groups that specialize in foreign policy. And he's basically a Ukraine expert. And he spent most of his life banging his head against the wall because no one in government seems to understand the history of Ukraine and the fact that the Russians, not just Putin and Stalin, but going back to the time of the Romanovs, have made a concerted effort to erase and appropriate the history of Ukraine for their own purposes. It's really the first Russian disinformation campaign involved Ukraine. So I was exposed to his work. He was reading my stuff and he sent articles to read. And this one uh, that's about Russia's war on Ukraine, and it goes back through Ukrainian history, which I didn't know very much about, and studying Russian history in college, I learned that the first Russian, quote unquote, civilization sprung up around in the Middle Ages around Kiev, mm. called the Kievan Rus, which is R-U-S apostrophe. Yeah. And that then all of Russia sprung out of that. That was the first place that there was a, a, you know, oh, a really? civilized place. So in, in Russian history, they teach you that as part of Russia, but it's not part of Russia because it's in Kiev. That's right. Ukraine. So. At they the like time, that confusion in the Russians. They like to confuse us with it. They use it to their benefit a lot. That's what they do. So yeah. as Victor points out um, in his piece and on the and on my podcast, this is something at the time, Russia, the word Russia did not exist in the Middle Ages. Russia did not hmm. exist. It was There was Moscow and the, the land around Moscow was called Muscovy. And that's what everybody called it in medieval Europe. And at that time, Ukraine was one of the centers of learning and culture and literacy and basically liberal politics. They, you know, women were very, it was a very egalitarian culture with men and women being relatively equal, which was unheard of elsewhere. So all this kind of cool stuff. And there was a Prussia, there was a king of Prussia at the time, I think. Yeah, but that's Prussia's- in Germany, Europe. right, yeah. yeah I wonder how that happened. Away. Yeah, and okay. Pr- Prussia isn't, that didn't exist yet. This is 400 okay. years before that. Okay. Yeah, this is like 980, like 10 going into, and then into the post-Byzantine period, Constantinople fell in the Fourth Crusade in 1204, and that's when a lot of the intelligentsia, I think, moved to Kiev. Anyway, eventually this all broke down because the um, the Mongols came, the, the horde of, you know, the Mongol horde, and conquered everything and basically sacked Kiev, destroyed the city, all this kind of stuff. And then the Russians came in and their civilization sprang up, but Moscow and Kiev aren't really that close to each other. And historically, Ukraine and Russia are two different, they're just two different places. So when Ivan the Terrible became czar, he was the Grand Prince of Moscow. He was the first czar, which is in 1570, 1580, something like that. Or before he, that, he, he was the first No czar before him. He was the first czar. He's, he's, and he's decided. the first person to call himself Russia. He's the czar of Russia. And he took the word because it comes from Kiev and Rus, hoping to conflate the two things and basically appropriate it. So when you see Ukraine called Little Russia, 
that would be like Great Britain calling itself Little America, as right. Victor has pointed out. Right. Just chronologically, it makes no sense. Did he decide to call so, himself the Terrible, or was there somebody else who said he was no, the Terrible? No, no, it, Terrible more. Like, oh my God, I'm freaked out by this guy. I yeah, the yeah, Terrible yeah. invented the state secret police services. Oh, that's what he did. Yeah, put that in your. Yeah, I'll be. Well, they, totally. They're very good at that. That's I gotta say, they, they still very good Ivan at that. Terrible. This is what happened to him. He got hit on the head or something. <laughs> he went a little insane and he, he left Moscow he, and he went on a retreat to this monastery where he slowly lost his mind. And they were like, You have to come back. You have to come back. You're the czar. You got to come back. And he was like, No. And then finally he said, I'll come back, but you got to do this and this. And then when he came back, he was just, it was like Luke um, Skywalker when he's in the <laughs> Jedi outfit, except evil. So he yeah. came back and it was evil and he would have these guys who would ride black horses dressed all in black riding around the countryside terrorizing everybody, which is what Tolkien bases the ring race on in, right. in the Hobbit book. Ivan the Terrible invents all this stuff, okay? Oh, wow. But that's so pretty, pretty creative. Gets points for creativity. Very creative. Yeah, yeah. Um, then but, he dies and, okay, we're going to go. Wait, we have to take like, the whole yeah. show. I, mean, I love, I love <laughs> the recent history of, of all of this because isn't it fascinating that there's all these like crazy people running around making history? But let's do something Will a little bit more recent. Can for, for one more second? Oh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Of course. That's yeah, what yeah, we yeah. do here. So, that's so, our brand. Okay. So Ivan the Terrible <laughs> dies and then his son becomes his son becomes czar and his son's like a nebbish and he dies. And then there's this 16, uh, like 16 year period known as the time of troubles when they couldn't find a czar and there were all these famines and there was economic collapse. And it was during this time that some dude shows up from Poland and he's, yo, I'm Dimitri. I'm in the terrible. That's my dad. I'm the czar now. And they were like, great, let's you be the czar. And they install this fucking guy as czar. He's not the czar. He's some dude that just walks in and says it. Oh, wow. That's who we're dealing with here, okay? Oh. They killed him, and they shot him in a cannon back toward Poland. Then it happened again. There was a second false Wow. Movie. I didn't know about the cannon. <laughs> Wait a yeah, minute. That's a nice, Did they that's really a nice shoot him in a cannon? Oh, we, we, we gotta, <laughs> we'll get back to this. We we'll have do this. to do drunk history. we got to do it. we got to yeah, do, do this in the later. I'm going way far afield, but I can't. <laughs> I'm losing my connection. Are people even – I can't see the comments. Everyone's People are probably like, what are these guys on tonight? I want to talk about the big story that came up on LB's feed this week. I think it's called the Nordstrom, and it's a – <laughs> oh no! Oh, no, oh, no. Uh, but I it is it's I don't remember the name of the Nordstrom, so it's a good way to North remember Stream. it. Yeah, it's actually yeah. the Nordstrom too. There you go. And so this is uh, a pipeline. It exists between doesn't exist actually does Nordstrom one exists between Russia and and Germany, and they want to build a second Nordstrom, which I mean, good for them because they they're allowed to do those kinds of things. Everyone's allowed to do these things. Here's a picture where they want to build it from Viborg to Lubin. And up until now, America sort of oh, been opposed to Sorry? That doesn't, that, those aren't real cities. Come on. You're just messing with us now. Oh, I've never heard of either one of these places. Okay. Well, they're on the they're on the coastlines, right? So oh, it's no. probably tiny little places. And they're also probably oil refinery towns because they probably smell bad. So you probably want, don't want to go there. But other than that, they're very important to the good people of Germany and the, and the not, well, the good people of Russia, of course, as well. So the up until now, Russia, America's been opposed to this because it doesn't really want Russia to grab a hold of all of them, of uh, the of the European gas market because it's such an important thing that if, if they suddenly flood uh, Europe, with all this gas, then there'll be a problem 
to to be able to influence uh, Russia and stop Russia from doing. They'll have money because well, you know, the Russians like to use this. They right, like they have this company called Gazprom. They've used it in Ukraine before. They like to use it as like yeah. a, a weapon. Oh, it's cold. You want gas? No, well, you didn't do that nice thing for us. We wanted last week, so you get no gas for the next few months. So they give it to you, and then they use it as a weapon, and they take it away, which is the way Russians and mob figures do things. But this week, something really strange happened, and I saw it in your feed, LB. Suddenly, the Biden administration said, "Hey." It's okay. We're taking the sanctions that the Trump administration put on you, and we're taking them away. And you guys go ahead and build a Nordstrom, Nord Stream. Sorry, okay. Nord Stream. Yeah. yeah. And it, I didn't put a lot of explanation, guys, because I didn't have time to really delve into it in terms of it's on my feed, and I retweeted it, and it just shocked me. And I still haven't had time to dig deep into it. I, but I've looked a little bit closer, and I'm still shocked. And I'm still not okay with it. <laughs> now, what it looks like is that in, in talking with our European part, our allies, our friends, and trying to rebuild that relationship, this is very important to them, and it's pretty, it's pretty far along. So, I don't know in terms of blocking it, but that wasn't the point of the sanctions. The sanctions were to on specific individuals who are connected to Vladimir Putin, who are part of this. And I'm still very much an advocate. And this was part of your show this morning, Greg, which was so great. And to tie these two things together is we heard Rudd say the same thing. And this is the gentleman that was on Greg's uh, show is an expert in Ukraine and Ukrainian history and the current situation. And we heard him say in ex echo exactly the same sentiment as Yuri Shvets. A fire. I'm sorry about that. It should. Nope, nope. Okay, I gotta, I gotta mute. Don't listen. I don't know who that is calling. All right. Well, anyhow, while she does right. that, okay, uh, <laughs> I can do some. I'm like, good. I don't know who's calling. I don't want to broadcast somebody's phone number. It no, of course not. Like no, people, you don't do that. Old people phones in this house. Okay, so here's the connection. Yeah. Um, the connection is that we've got to cut off the money that makes its way back to Vladimir Putin right. through these individuals. That doesn't stop the pipeline sanctioning the individuals behind it. As far as I can tell, maybe I'm a moron and I don't know, and I shouldn't be talking about this, but I have no idea why sanctions against individuals, not against the whole thing, it's not even against Gazprom itself. It's about some of the executives that are behind this thing that are getting huge sums of money from it, and they're just funneling it back to, to the well, there were a lot of companies no. that that backed out. Once the sanctions were instituted, yeah. American companies that were helping build this thing, they pulled out. So, so now it's, it's going to be more it's, complicated. It's, yeah. it's going to be more complicated. But what did we hear everybody say that knows what they're dealing with and is honest about Russia and China, by the way, but especially the Kremlin, hmm. is you have to hold a fist right underneath them. Right. They're, they're only ever, it's this is our enemy. It is. And they're only ever going to keep encroaching and encroaching and encroaching until they topple us and do horrible things to us until we actually figure it out because we're at the seat of democracy, because he's done this Putin and G, these guys are done with democracy. They are, yep. and they're trying to get rid of it. And the way to get up underneath Putin and, and get up underneath Russia is just to get in there and make sure that they know they have to feel us. 
we can shut their lights off, you guys. This is also ridiculous that we haven't done anything yet as far as, unless you guys can inform me because I have been in a work bubble. Have we done anything about their no. attack on our own gas no. line? Have we done anything about any of this? So this what is what I'm wondering. I'm wondering, is, is this something really weird going on? It feels to me can like we, there's maybe a deal that was done and related to colonial. I don't know. I'm guessing here, but it's, it's quite possible that know. that you know, Biden landed up talking to Putin and said, give us our gas back because you've you, you knocked out half of the but, eastern uh, supply line. And Putin said, well, you give us our gas back. And they landed up maybe making some sort of deal because the timing did seem to be coincidental. Um, it is seem really strange. And the weeks after, we are struck by this terrible attack, the cyber hack that we've never had the likes of from Russia, that we do not respond. And in fact, we not only not respond, we just hand over the, the Nord Stream back to them. It's pretty It uh, gets worse. It's, uh, it, it gets worse. This goofy Blinken guy, I'm sorry. He needs to... Is, is, I, something's going on there. I, 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 I'm sorry. And I'm not saying conspiratorial. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's almost like you have to go in and shake these people now that we fought so hard to get in there when it comes to the international stuff. I understand the incredible responsibility of getting our domestic stuff in line because of the virus and the pandemic and getting shots in arms and getting relief to people and the mess that is happening on Capitol Hill that will just I don't know. It's just a mess. I get it. I get it, guys. But we're in all of that mess because of these people, these enemies that we have that have turned us on ourselves. We, we don't have a strategy that I, that's been communicated about any of this stuff. If it's happening, we're also and we're not supposed to know about it. We're not seeing any evidence of that. We're seeing sanctions get lifted. I'm seeing <laughs> just, a pro-Putin, pro-Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, uh, White House is what I'm seeing. It's yeah. like it's. I, I mean, there's lots of good reasons around it. Exactly. It's what's happened. He's going to stay in power now because basically Joe's there saying, "Hey, oh, he's my friend, and he's now popular because of this war he started." So hey, he gets to stick around, and yeah. uh, and Putin gets to say, "Look, America's so weak, they won't even hit us. They won't even hit us after we hit them on their gas pipeline. They won't even hit us. They're giving us a, a free gift on the Nord Stream." Can we go back to the Ukraine thing with Russia for just a second? Yes, speaking yeah, please of, do. Speaking of please. that, okay, so this is one takeaway that Victor Rudd brings up on the podcast. I think it's super important that people understand. Yep. After the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, Ukraine had more nuclear weapons than China, the UK, and France put together. They had, they were number three. Only the United States and Russia had more nuclear weapons than Ukraine. They were convinced to surrender these weapons by the United States government to Russia, That's right. which they did, believing right. that the United States and the Western countries, the NATO countries, would offer them the same level of security that we give Japan and Germany post-1945. So, and even Russia uh, participated in that and said, we also agree to this. We yes, won't do Russia, anything. Exactly. Exactly. They did yeah. the same thing. So what happens? That was in 1994. Okay, eight years ago, this fuckhead rolls into Crimea and conquers it. Mm -hmm. And what do we do? Not a goddamn fucking thing. Nothing. We a couple of sanctions. Good job, Obama. Just fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. How is anybody going to trust us? We told Whoa. them, give up the nukes. We'll protect you. They rolled in and we did not protect them. Okay, here are three examples of, of how this goes on. Hitler. Okay, first, the Rhine occupied the Rhine. We didn't do anything. 
went into Sudeten land. Munich happened. Peace in our time, Chamberlain says. He invades Czechoslovakia. They're like, okay, you can have that, but no more Poland. He invades Poland. World War II is on because these guys don't fucking stop. No, they Saddam don't mean to stop. Saddam Hussein, stop. example number two. Saddam Hussein, another maniacal, psychopathic thief, rolls into Kuwait because he doesn't want to pay back the debt that he owes Kuwait. The first thing he does when he gets there is rob the goddamn Central Bank of Kuwait. He's a criminal. Mm -hmm. We come in and we say, this aggression will not stand, man. George H.W. gathers the forces together and kicks his thieving ass back to Baghdad. And that's it. We don't hear from that fucking guy again. So say what you will about war and this and that. That worked. The objective of that war absolutely worked. Tonight's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep, and they have a special offer for narrative viewers. I've heard it from so many people. The one thing that's changed since January is their sleep. Not waking up worrying about what the president might have done or said or tweeted makes the world of a difference. I don't think I had a good solid night's sleep in four years. And it wasn't only the president. My 10-year-old mattress, which started life as a 12-inch foam mattress, had shrunk to an 8-inch mattress. And getting out of bed was often more of a slide than a bounce. It was time for a new mattress. Illy Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? Changing the course of a country can take a village. Changing the course of your sleep takes a quiz. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. That's helixsleep.com slash narrative for up to $200 off and two free pillows just for you. Okay. As far as I understand, now, the peace deal with BB is we have to go now, Americans have to go now and rebuild the mess they, they made in Gaza. That's the deal? That America is going to go foot the bill to rebuild Gaza? It's fine if we want to do that for strategic reasons and all of that because we've been so weakened in, in, in the Middle East for the last four years. Maybe that's the reason. But boy, this does not look like a victory. The, the White House is out there saying, hey, look at us. We succeeded in getting a, a ceasefire. You just got us a huge bill to fix something that we didn't even break in the first place. Let them fix their problems. I have, I have the solution, by the way, to that problem. Yep. The solution is 51st state. That's it. It's a 51st state. Everybody can vote. No problem. Which is the 51st state? Israel, Palestine. <laughs> Just bring them all in. 51st state. <laughs> That's yeah. going to work. I, I think. I don't really mean all of that. Are we talking about that? I think yeah. Drugs, I, but uh, I, I just feel what? like there's a an important thing that they're doing right now. And I get what Joe Biden is doing. He realizes that we've been cut out of the whole Middle East process for the last four years. Because of Donald Trump and his stupidity and his allegiance to Putin, we've let Russia basically rearranged the entire Middle East. They've basically taken over Syria. They've taken over all the oil supply in Syria and in, in Iraq. They are just acting along with Bibi as conquerors of the whole region. And, and then with Jared's peace plan, they're just reshaping everything in the image that they've desired. And now Joe Biden and the United States find themselves out of the process, not only out of the process themselves, the Palestinians have been cut out of the process and the Jordanians have been cut out of the process. Those are our allies. So in fact, Biden did the only thing he could do under those circumstances to get us back in the game. There's no other way for us to be relevant if we're not in the game. We might as well just walk away and say, okay, Russia and Israel now control the Middle East and we no longer have a stake here and goodbye Palestinians. 
So the only thing he could do was jump in and try coordinate some sort of, of ceasefire so he, we stay relevant. And it's sad that this is what's come to America four years ago before Donald Trump was a major superpower. Look what he has done in those four years, what he's done to America's uh, standing in the world by withdrawing everything, by destroying all our alliances, by giving Putin a carte blanche to do whatever he wants to around the world. We've landed up like as a second rate player to Russia in the Middle East. And we should never be there. It's Russia's maniacal and malicious and awful strategy that's over many years has gotten a lot of influence in Israel. But it's this is what's happened. This is the reality of where we are in the world. We are we are building back, he says, we're building back better, but we are building back better from the very bottom. And that's not very good news, ultimately. I think he's the guy to do it. If you're going to ask anyone to build back better, he, that's the guy to do it. And I think the same thing's happening with, with the, the Nord Stream. We have nothing. All our infrastructure is booby-rigged or booby-trapped, so they can basically just cut things off whenever they want. We, ha we have nothing left in our firepower because of Donald Trump. Okay. And that man is still I, I, in, in Mar-a-Lago just a free man. It just, just drives me yeah, nuts. Yeah, uh, okay. It drives us on nuts. And okay. Sorry, I'll breathe. I'll breathe. Can, the breathe, breathe. You can try to explain that. It, it, it is, you know, I just want, I just always want to put this in there for people so that they don't, as they listen, they don't, yeah. they're not going, ah, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to make everyone do that. Yeah, it's okay. No, 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 no. It's fine. You, ha you have to get it out. It's great. Yeah. Um, and say it. It's important to say it. It's also important to remember what our capabilities are. We do. We have extraordinary capabilities. We do. So yes. We, and we have extraordinary capabilities to defend ourselves against these attacks where there can be focus and attention and priorities on that. Mm -hmm. We really do. We're going to we're going to be OK there. Oh, guys. Yeah. If there's if it's prioritized, the Amer America has incredible incredible might and our intelligence communities have incredible strength in the soft way in how you want it not in the you know, crazy way I, I just I like I, I asked years ago I asked yeah. I, I, I was like can't we just turn off Putin's lights can't we just go click it's like yeah we can pretty much do that if that's not happening it's because of all I think uh, uh, giving you what you just said I do believe we have, there's so much repairing of relationships mm -hmm. that has to happen right now. And also just getting the information flow going again with People our allies. They did, us. Not, they did not trust that last administration and we need to be catch up on this information. And frankly, the secretary of state is really important to it. So I, to that process, and I really hope that this guy is up to the task. I really do. He's a I'm smart sorry, guy. I, Look, they did a lot in this. I mean, just wait. I was I was excited at first, and now I'm like, oh, uh oh. So that's what I'm watching. I'm watching it like that, but never question America's power. <laughs> well, really, truly, really, I, really. I think it's important to say yeah. that we have been weakened by Donald Trump. I think that um, oh, Americans yeah. need to hear, and especially Republicans need to see the mess that that president left America and oh, the yeah. world with. Because I don't think that's really registered yet. I think in some parts of MAGA country, they still think we're making America great. And let me tell you something, we did not make America great under Donald Trump. Trump. We weakened yeah. America a lot under Donald Trump. We'll build it back. It's still a very powerful country, but it's going to take all these moves, which people are like, huh? What we're doing? This is the way we're solving it. We're going to have to well, go in so and build buildings for Hamas. Need to talk over yeah. you. That I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That requires communication, mm -hmm. which is what Greg and I have been 
yammering about. I feel like we've been shouting into the the just the void, Oliar, of like, you have to talk. Stop this approach to the American people as if we're children. And we need to know uh, there is a way to communicate goals without disclosing strategy. There's a way to yeah. communicate corruption without compromising investigation or secrets. There's a way to do all of this. And we didn't have it for the last four years from any of our institutions because they were getting choked. They were choked by that last administration specifically to keep them from talking, which should have hopefully brought them to speak more, but they didn't. They got choked out. The first thing that needed to happen with this administration, and thank God they started it with the pandemic. That's great. But Talk to us in a way that gets around the media's craziness and their fascination with shiny objects and palace intrigue and, and clickbait. Just, I don't care. Take that podium every single day. State Department, every single Just keep talking. And if it's that they are doing this and it's not getting to us, open up the channels. Create new channels. Here's the live Periscope feed from the State Department. Mm. Every day, it's going to come out. you like this. Like, start doing, they need to, that communication. Oh, my God, it's so important. And it's just the plain back, talking. It's the way they're talking in this in diplomatic speak, which is great for your diplomats and your everybody else. But the American people don't know what you're saying because it's so, like, just a blur of, of words. Now he did, he did do Russell it in the, in, the, in the speech. The address. Yeah. The, it right. wasn't the State of the Union, but it was effective with the yes, state. Yes, he was very he good. He did there. it. Right. He did exactly what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So That's they're right. capable of it. We just need more. We need it. Every day. All Speak normally. Can. Yeah. Speak normally, every institution, these are our goals, this is what we're about, so the American people know how to get behind you. And that ties back into what we were, for me, what you were bringing up about Israel and the conflict right now there, which is just, I for me, guys, I, I just feel like I have to wait till a lot happens to be able to look back and really have enough information to speak to that, which is why I haven't spoken to that. I haven't spoken to it on Twitter, and I am not going to speak to it on here other mm -hmm. than to say that we said a lot about Bibi. I think, I think anyone who's followed me is pretty clear about how what I think about Bibi and any of Putin's thugs. But I need to, for me as an American, so that I can support my government and my government's position on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict ongoing, the stuff that is just, it's just wearing everybody down. And we're at the point where people are just now becoming exhausted with everything. And it's here in Los Angeles, we have a lot of violence happening in our citizenry. I can't even start talking about it because it, it's so upsetting. It's so upsetting and uh, uh, it, what's happening here. Uh, it's being talked about a bit, not enough, but also you don't want to inflame it, right? You don't want to make it you don't want to make it bigger than it is, but I'm sorry, it's significant enough. So there's a lot of hate crime going on in our nation around this conflict happening somewhere else. And so I want to be able to support our administration's position on this, but I find that's impossible without understanding what Israel's position on it is. And not that I can't support it, I just don't I don't have enough information. And the only question I have that's not answered for me is, what is Israel's vision for the Palestinian people from the Israeli state? What do they see as the future 
for the Palestinian people. Beyond the conflict, yes, Hamas, terror organization, got it, all that, got got all that. But then what? I mean, I can, I, I, I can give you- pretty much against a two-state solution. So if he brought that back up this evening, he said it said two state solution is all we can do. But, but I want to hear from Israel. Let me finish this yeah, thought. Sure, course, I, yeah. This is what I, I just can't. I'm just not. He, I've never heard this. Mm-hmm. I for the years I've been watching this, I've never heard a clear articulation, right, of what Israel's vision is for what happens for all of the Palestinian people. What what do they see? Are they going to become part of Israel? That's off the books, right? Because they're not going to. They see apartheid. That's what they see. That's what they see. I need to hear them articulate it, Mm -hmm. and I don't find anybody asking them to articulate that. What is your vision for the future of the Palestinian people? If we can get past the present, which is connected to the past, and all this, and the violence stop, and the Hamas is gone, but what does Israel? From that state, not even what do they see as the future for the Palestinian people? And if I could hear that articulation, I'd have a much better grasp on how I feel about supporting what our administration, how they're supporting Israel. I, I it's you know too hard without knowing that for me, it's too hard without hearing that answer. Can I, can I actually, I as, there's something really interesting that you just, as, as you're speaking there, reminded me of how apartheid really ended in South Africa. And it's very similar to okay. what they're doing in Israel. Apartheid really ended in South Africa when they took a bunch of the up and coming union leaders and, and activists and people they thought they could be the business leaders in a future South Africa. And the rich business elite of South Africa took the not yet rich black elite of South Africa and they had a secret meeting. I think it was zambia or something and they basically agreed to pay them they basically agreed to buy them off they said we're going to give you these companies we're going to split up our massive steel corporation you're going to get a piece of it and you're going to run that steel corporation are we going to split up the electricity power you're going to get a piece of that and they and and then they promised them lots of money and they promised them an ability to build better communities that is really why apartheid ended relatively peacefully because there was a a monetary structure. Now, it's exactly okay. the same thing that Jared Kushner trying is trying to do in in Israel, except they they didn't yeah, agree yeah. on what uh, the Palestinians and they didn't agree with the Jordanians. They just said, OK, yeah. we agree with Saudi Arabia and we agree with UAE, but they never got an agreement from the people that had really counted the Palestinians and yeah. the Jordanians. So they just went ahead as because I don't know, maybe they ran out of time, whatever. So they were halfway through this experiment of we're going to put together this new federation of, of countries in in the Middle East. And they just are now trying to force it in or reverse engineer it in after this little war that they've had. Maybe that's the way in. Maybe that's maybe it'll succeed. But ultimately, it is money. I think it is money that's there, that's working for them. Ultimately. I, did, I don't know. I had a thought about it or an analogy earlier as I was in the bath because I have thoughts. In the 50s and 60s, the United States policy towards Vietnam was uniformly, we must defend South Vietnam from communist incursion. We must. The domino effect is going to happen. We have to be there. We have to support this guy. That's what we must do. Democrats, Republicans, everyone at that time in the halls of power believed this to be true. Now, in hindsight, you look back and you think, what the f- 
fuck were they thinking? Really? It, it, you go back and you're trying to understand why they were all that way. And it was like they had this axiom and the axiom was must protect South Vietnam right. without thinking it through. And right. I feel like there's a parallel there. There's a lot of talk of we have to protect democracy, the only democracy in the Middle East. And yes, we do. But where some of not all the citizens can vote and isn't didn't we vote to get rid? I, I don't. I, I honestly, I'm asking because I don't know. I'm not an expert at this at all. Didn't they I, vote to be out? Isn't you can't have democracy in a Jewish Why state. Why the fuck is that criminal in, still in charge? Yeah, yeah. And if he won't leave, and he's supposed to leave, if he's voted out, and they're trying to indict him, and he won't respond to the indictment, what is that? Yeah, I, I don't. Who, who is the he? problem? He, if you it's put Trump and Putin in a blender, you get Netanyahu. That's it. That's what it is. He is Trump and Putin combined. You know they have a hotline to their homes. The two of them have a hotline. Bibi and Putin have a, a direct yeah, red phone do. hotline between their homes. No other leaders in the world do this. I've never heard of any other leaders. And they installed it in 2016, by the way. Um, not into his office, not into where he goes to work, into his home where it can be monitored. And it must be a sec very secure line. I'm sure the Russians put it in. God knows what these two are conspiring on about. God knows 20% of the Israeli population are Russians. Many of them are not even Jews. They're just Russians. But they're white, so they qualify in their world. And they it's a huge part of the population. They're in charge of the, of the intelligence services. They have all these oligarchs that are... Russians and Israelis, like Vexelberg and these guys, and they're, these people are living in Israel most of the time, pouring in billions of dollars into an economy that never used to have it. So that changes the dynamic of power a lot. And it's almost like Israel's become like a little Putin colony, really. Tonight's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep, and they have a special offer for narrative viewers. I've heard it from so many people. The one thing that's changed since January is their sleep. Not waking up worrying about what the president might have done or said or tweeted makes the world of a difference. I don't think I had a good solid night's sleep in four years. And it wasn't only the president. My 10-year-old mattress, which started life as a 12-inch foam mattress, had shrunk to an 8-inch mattress. And getting out of bed was often more of a slide than a bounce. It was time for a new mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? Changing the course of a country can take a village. Changing the course of your sleep takes a quiz. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. That's helixsleep.com slash narrative for up to $200 off and two free pillows just for you. A little Putin area of influence now. So he controls Syria and he controls Israel. That's what it feels like to me. Otherwise, how do you explain BB being, still being there? I don't, after I, losing I four elections. It's baffling to me. And I think 50 years from now, people are going to look back on this period the way that we look back on the South Vietnam thing. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I think people so. are not going to be able to understand it. It's not going to make sense. Yeah. I think here's the thing. I think we can now, and I, I do want to say this because my sister-in-law is Israeli, uh, I'm and so many so. of my friends. Yeah, and you're Israeli. Trust so me, I feel this. I way. think, yeah, you feel it. I think now it's. I think I do think Americans and is. I think we we can connect with the Israeli people, hopefully in a broader way in terms of having a corrupt leader 
mm-hmm. and be having yeah. that get collapsed with you. Mm-hmm. So collapsing BB with Israel is a real problem. Yeah. And they can't seem to get rid of him, and they are trying. These really oh, my God, the so, media is great there. The media knows. Haaretz, if you read the not. papers, they all hate him. They know. He, he keeps they losing. Him. He okay. still was later. He keeps losing. So that's a real big distinction to make. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to understand that part of the cementing of Bibi is Israel. So when he's we, we, if, about Bibi, that was, I remember very specifically John Boehner, a Speaker of the House, going around Barack Obama and inviting Bibi Netanyahu to come and address uh, Congress. And this whole mm, push on the Republican Party to be pro-Bibi and to collapse pro-Bibi with, with being a supportive of Israel. To, where, to the degree that you can have now, this is that party, this is our party, how our American one of our two parties in America has messed this up as well. And we have to take responsibility of that, of what we have done in this scenario as Americans with one of our parties has really made it more difficult and challenging. You have someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I can, I, I, you guys have never, hardly ever hear me say her name because I don't amplify these people. But for her to come out and do the stuff she's doing her LARPing now around on her role play around being pro-Israeli when she's misinsurrectionist who are showing up with the Auschwitz t-shirts mm. and and all of the and the three percenters and all these people that are her people that are all about there were no anti-Semitism on a level of disgustingness that repul- should be repulse every sentient being on the planet and they're collapsing it now they're playing the role just like they you know of this, yep, we have our Nazis and we are Nazis, but we're pro BB. And if you're not for BB, or if you're against Israel right now, then you're, and just confusing everything. Just, it's just a blender of disinformation and lies and horseshit, excuse my word, as that we've just not seen. I just don't ever remember anything this craven ever. We've never happened. had parties split their split so allegiances bad. like this. It's so bad. I think. So we're America is messing around in this too with our citizenry and our elected officials from one of our parties, and it's that we got to clean up our own house, everybody. Right? Evangelical. Stop. Stop. And the evangelicals all got. Oh, oh they got hijacked. Their parents got hijacked. They admitted it. They're like, we have more. Yeah. We're, we're our support in the United States. Israel says is from the evangelicals, yeah. not from the American Jews. So that's what it yeah. all stems from. That this idea, yeah. and the evangelicals yeah. think, the evangelicals think that when Israel rules itself, that within however many generations the rapture will come. That's the fucking what. That's, oh yeah, that's they're the working towards it. Yeah, that we're dealing yeah. with here. It's, it's uh, really bad. You know what it really comes down to? And this is will not surprise anybody, but it actually comes down to one thing. It comes down to, let me it up here, oil, oil. There's a Nordstrom thing. Remember, we showed you that earlier on. So Israel lately has become quite a center for oil distribution. Now you, see, I've, you can't really see it that clearly in this map, but you see the green dot down here um, in the bottom part of this thing? That's Israel. Israel just announced you mean, recently. You mean part where of Israel U- is? Sorry? 
I'm just, just saying it's a green dot. It, it, is, it is a difficult map because it of the coloring. I, I'm yeah. having to I did it. this myself today, so it probably is a little off. Okay. But okay. I will say that, okay. let me put it on the big screen. It's a little easier for people to see that way. Okay. But, the, but the deal that the UAE and Israel signed basically is to build a, a pipeline from the UAE, which is the bottom right over here, to, to Israel, which means they'll no longer need to take their oil reserves all the way around the bottom part of the Saudi Arabian peninsula over there and up through the Suez Canal. They could just ship it directly by pipeline to Israel. Because uh, Russia has Syria, basically, controls Syria, there's a way for Russia to control an entire pipeline of oil that goes all the way through Azerbaijan, where there's recently been another conflict with Armenia and Georgia, and then that connects directly into Turkey and into Syria, and bam, they've got the entire oil pipeline from the Saudis and the UAEs connected to Russia in going through Israel. Damn. And that can <laughs> operate like Delaware operates when you're trying to drive down I-95. <laughs> And like you're fine, and then you get to Delaware, and there's like 17, 17 toll bridges on the oh, 12 miles that I 95 is there. I, I don't even mean to Delaware, actually, but I'm glad they had Joe oh, Biden. There. Oh, you're missing out. That, I... <laughs> oh, because is it because you're not friends with Brett Kavanaugh and were in the room when he horrible thing that he did in high school, and you had to hide from the media and the Congress? Pretty good. I guarantee you, I was not in that room for sure. Anyhow, so I'm going to stop talking about Israel. I'm going to stop talking about Russia. I think that for me, it's just I, I, I would love for people to stop harming one another. Yes, that would be nice. I was when I ran into Mark Rich's name when I was looking at this today. I was like, oh my gosh, they just—it's just unbelievable when you find all these names. You, I didn't know that Mark Rich did all these. He was like the oil king back then. He did all these oh, dirty yeah. oil deals for like selling oil for anybody you wanted. That Mark Rich pardon sent me into the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm oh, sure. I don't really know oh. very much about him. I just know that Clinton oh, gave him a huge, just a huge pardon oh, out of nowhere. Um, my main thing that I know about Mark Rich is when I worked at AP and the, the incoming journalists used to have to take a news writing test. And one of the questions and stories that they were to construct was about Mark Rich getting the pardon. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh. There you go. There you Little go. known fact. Something yeah. came up about AP. I can't remember what it was. Something came up. Oh, because they blew up the fucking building and now AP is accused of being oh, working for the bad guys. They're working for Hamas. AP, AP is a not-for-profit cooperative owned by every daily newspaper <laughs> in the New York in, in the entire United fucking States. It is not working for Hamas. That's no. batshit insanity. Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.